Welcome to an inspiring message from Awaken City Church. For more information about us, visit awakencity.com.au. I've got something burning in my heart about your story matters, but before I unpack it, I'd just love to pray if that's all right. Father God, for those of us here in person, joining us online, so we're in the midst of what it means to be devoted to You as we're carrying the heart and vision of Your house for us as individuals, for our families, for those significant others that we wanna stand in the gap for and fight on behalf. I ask now that our story would come in alignment with Your story. I ask that we would carry the heartbeat of heaven here on earth. I ask that we would not turn to the left or the right. I ask that we would not allow your narrative to be drowned out by other false narratives. But in this moment, we would choose to be devoted to you with all that we have and all that we can give. In Jesus' mighty Name. Amen. I want to talk to you today about how your story matters. Your story matters in every aspect You know, last couple of weeks, I've been captivated by a Netflix series and this doesn't often happen for me. I'm not somebody who generally goes home with a desire to turn on Netflix and binge watch something besides The Last Dance, which was the documentary of Michael Jordan. I was addicted to that. And it's so in fact that it coincided with the lockdown that we had last year. But there's been one other show that's captivated me since. And I'm shocked that this show captivated me. I'm shocked that I've been so captivated by this show that last Thursday night, I binge watched four episodes in a row and I never do that, ever. Now, if that's the reality for you, you're amazing or not, I don't know, (laughs) but I did it. And it's a show about a certain family, a family that doesn't live here in Australia, but seems to have great influence in Australia. A family that has gone through many ups and downs. Some of the ups and downs caused by them, some caused by others around them. And this family that lives in a castle led by a queen, starring this series called The Crown. And I have to confess with a little bit of shame that I've been addicted to this show. And thankfully for me, I finished the last season now. And so now I have to wait, hopefully a couple of more years before I turn on Netflix again. What's got me caught up? I don't know. Maybe it's seen a warts and all account of a family. I, I was watching it and I found myself being twisted and turned and thinking, boy, this is a terrible situation and circumstance that many of these family members are in. And I was doing a little bit of reading up on the series because you watch things on the show that you just think, how could that be real? And then you find out, yes, yeah, some of it's not real. Some of it's fictitious. It's inspired by a real family. Some of it's inspired by real situations that happened. But the truth is it's a fictitious story. But it's such a compelling story that right now in Britain, there is a huge conversation going on with members of parliament. The Minister of Culture has this quote that's going around, a generation of viewers who did not live through the events captured in this show may start to mistake Fiction for fact. The story matters. I'm reminded more than ever that a compelling story, a compelling false story, can be so powerful that it begins to shape 
the affections and the hearts of those that engage with it. If you've seen the show, you'll know what I mean. Nobody comes out looking good. But maybe that's been the intention of people who have written this story. Your story matters. Because we're living out a story with our lives. That we have the honour in the Kingdom of God to partner with the Holy Spirit to live out even the story of God and what He wants to do in and amongst His people. And Pastor Claude touched on this this morning when he landed worship and touched on it last week in a fantastic message that I encourage you to go back and look at about the account that comes to us out of the book of Numbers, chapter 13 and 14, where the 12 spies go into the promised land. And they come out of slavery, generations and generations of slavery in a land that was not their own. God's people had initially gone down to Egypt to seek reprieve from a famine that had decimated their land and they were only meant to go down for a short season. So in fact, how the book of Genesis ends where God's people who have been set up in the promised land, who have inherited the promises of God because of opposition out of their control, seek solace in another land. It was only meant to be for a short term time, but for whatever reason, they chose to stay. They chose to settle. They chose to forget the promises that God had for them. And generation after generation after generation somehow moved from living in promises all the way to slavery. I'm reminded that our stories can be like that too. That God has a promise for us to inherit But sometimes it's so easy to settle into narratives and other stories that cause us to even, even, even though we may have experienced all the things that God has for us, even though we may know the reality of God's love, cause us bit by bit to go to slavery once again. God leads His people to victory, leads them out of Egypt with supernatural signs and wonders. Leads them through the leadership of a man called Moses where miracles took place, where the people had cried out to God for freedom and breakthrough. And as Moses leads them out of slavery, they have to pass through a wilderness to go to their promised land. And as they prepare to inherit their land again, the land of their forefathers, the land of their promises, Moses sends 12 spies to spy out the land, not to see if the land was suitable, You have to understand, it was a military expedition. It was to see how they were going to take the land back. It had a very intentional purpose. And 10 of the 12 came back with what the Bible says was either a negative report or even an evil report. Two did not. The 10 that came back stoked a narrative in the people of God. A narrative that was built around fear. Fear that said the opposition in front of us is too great. How do we even compare to them? It played on the narratives of unnatural regret. I say that intentionally, unnatural regret. Because there were already narratives in the community of God as they were travelling through the wilderness where narratives had sprung up that said, why would God take us into a wilderness experience when back in Egypt, even though we were slaves, they had cucumbers. Read the Scriptures, they complain that there were cucumbers back in Egypt and they have to persevere through a wilderness experience. There was unnatural regret as a story floating amongst God's people. Ultimately, this led to a narrative of unbelief. 
God cannot give us this land, even though He's part of the Red Sea, even though He's supernaturally provided for us in the wilderness with manna, with, with, with quail at night, with a rock that is spilling water. Even though we look around and we just see supernatural, 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 surely God cannot do this. And because they entertained narratives of fear, narratives of unnatural regret, narratives of unbelief, They entered in as a generation to losing the opportunity to inherit the promises. In fact, they are the great wasted generation of Scripture. The great wasted generation of Scripture. So God in His goodness allowed that wasted generation to persevere and ultimately perish in the wilderness so that He could raise up the next generation to inherit what they should have taken for themselves. But in that next generation that was risen up, two spies did not come back with a negative or an evil report. They came back with a good report. Instead of fear, a narrative of fear, they carried with them a of courage. Yes, there is opposition in that land, but God will give us the victory. Instead of a narrative of unnatural regret, they came back with a story of expectation that God is going to provide significantly and abundantly for us because this is a place of flourishing for each and every person. They came back instead of a story of of unbelief, they came back with a story of faith. Let's do this thing. But those two spies, Joshua and Caleb, were hindered and were unable to inherit the promised land for themselves at that point because a wasted generation drowned out the story of God. And I wanna ask you for a moment to imagine being Joshua or Caleb, to be in one of those that has seen the promises of God who have carried courage, who have carried expectation, who have carried faith and you have to now spend the next 40 years of your life in a wilderness that you did not choose, that you did not ask for, that in fact you did everything you could to convince the people not to enter into. You are now a part, but do not belong to a wasted generation. What would you do? How do you not descend to your environment in that situation and circumstance? How do you not lower yourself to those around you? How do you not, for the next 40 years, as Pastor Claude said, we're not talking about 40 days. We're not talking about 40 months. We're talking about 40 years. A lifetime of choosing not to inherit a narrative of fear, unnatural regret and unbelief. The Scripture doesn't clearly articulate exactly what Joshua and Caleb did to carry the story of God in this time. I I have to give a bit of my imagination to it, but I imagine families of God set up in communities in a tent setting there in the wilderness. And you've got Joshua and Caleb going from family to family to family to family, identifying the next generation and sowing seeds of faith, of expectation, of courage, of choosing almost, I picture them as the kids pastors and the youth pastors of that community where they said we will not be captivated by a wasted generation. Instead, we will captivate the next generation to inherit the promises of God, to play their part in the story that God has for us. 
I try to imagine what I would do in that scenario. Do I have the guts to hold on for 40 years? Is the story of God in me compelling enough that I would be willing to live it no matter what I received from others and give it no matter the response I got in return? As we're in this month of devotion, what it means to be devoted, which ultimately means to be focused on something exclusively. We're challenged as vision builders to grab hold of the story God has for us as a house, Awakened City, and for what God has for us as individuals and families. And I gotta say, just like Joshua and Caleb, the struggle is real. That we can choose to descend to a wasted generation environment that is captivated by narratives of fear, unnatural regret and unbelief. And I wanna challenge you, the story of God is there for the taking. Joshua and Caleb carried different narratives. They carried a truer story, both for God's people and for themselves. How did they carry it? How were they able to cultivate and carry this story? There's two key portions of Scripture that jump out to me that I think encapsulate the stories that Joshua and Caleb carried no matter what was around them. First one in Joshua chapter 1, verse 6 to 9 comes to a word of the Lord given to Joshua as he is preparing to lead the new generation, the next generation, the generation that he helped to cultivate in faith into their promises. That the wasted generation is done and now finally they can cast off the shackles of unbelief. And there is a word given to him that I believe that he had lived out the entire time. It says, be strong and courageous for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate to them from them, turning either to the right or to the left, then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You know, I believe that Joshua's story that he carried was for the people of God as a whole. I believe the narrative that Joshua came back with from spying out the promised land was a story for God's people. I think it's significant that Joshua's mandate is to lead the people of God to possess everything that God has given them. And I wanna say to you today, as we press into this month of devoted, as we take hold of what it means to be vision builders, that as a house, awakened city, there is a story that God has for us to not only enter into, but see fulfilled through our lives. That Jesus Himself builds the church and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. And we're invited to partake of this story and to play a part that is not being one where we are used, but where we are utilised each and every single person. 
See, what happened is in the book of Joshua, Joshua would lead the people into the promised land bit by bit by bit. And portions of the promised land had been dedicated to different tribes and different clans and different families. But the agreement was that as we liberated the land that belonged to you, you didn't lay down your sword, you didn't lay down the fight. You settled yourself and established yourself in the promises of God, but you pressed on until we conquered the entire land for your brother, for your sister, for everybody involved. And I believe with all my heart, vision builders are people who choose to press in, not just for the mandate that God has given us individually, but say we are fighting for the promises for each other. That there is a promise of God for us as awakened city that is made up of each and every individual, each and every family, each and every child in Kids Church now, each and every young person in youth ministry right now, that we are fighting to take hold of the story for the inheritance that God has for them. And it's up to us. But the narrative is still there. What narrative will we embrace? Because there is still a wasted generation that is crying out fear, unnatural regret and unbelief. And our challenge is, will we be like Joshua to say the heart of God is for us to advance, to possess all that God has for us. So will we instead be people of courage? Will we instead be people of expectation? Will we instead be people of faith? Press in. So Joshua carried a story for God's people. Caleb carried a story for him and his family. You know, it's possible to fulfil the story of God both by focusing on fulfilling the story God has for His house and for us as individuals. That it's not mutually exclusive, that it's not either or, it's one and the same. That as you flourish, the house of God flourishes. As the house of God flourishes, you flourish. Caleb carried this. I'm sorry, I have to read it all just to get a heart that Caleb carried. Joshua chapter 14, verse 6 to 12 said this. Caleb said to Joshua, Remember that what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, about you and me when we were in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land of Canaan, which was the promised land. I returned and gave an honest report. I like that. The story that Caleb carried was a truer story than the false narratives that the people chose to die in. An honest report. But my brothers who went with me frightened the people from entering the promised land. For my part, I wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. So that day, Moses solemnly promised me. So Joshua had a message for the people. Caleb received a message for him. Moses solemnly promised, a mess, promised me, the land of Canaan on which you were just walking will be your grant of land and that of your descendants forever because you wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. Now, as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive, Caleb, talking again to Joshua. Now, as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and well 
as He promised for all these 45 years since Moses made this promise. For 45 years, Caleb carried the story of God in his heart. Even while Israel wandered in the wilderness, today I'm 85 years old. Come on, 85 year olds. Hey, press into that. I am as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey and I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. So give me the hill country. There's another translation where Caleb says, give me this day my mountain that the Lord promised me. Caleb's story was a promise for his family, for him individually. And I wanna say to you as people who will choose to be devoted to the things of God, that would choose to partner with the vision, the story that God has for us, not as a house, just as a house, but as people, that there is a twofold challenge for us in combating the narratives of a wasted generation and it is cultivating and carrying the story that God has for us as a people and God has for us as individuals. And as we fulfil both, both flourish. So you might be thinking, what do I do with that? It's a wonderful account. I would submit in this moment that we have to choose to be chosen. And 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says this, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvellous light. You know, I think we get to choose to be chosen in the Kingdom of God. A chosen generation, not a wasted generation. How do you be chosen? First off, it's because we respond to the call of God on our lives. Everybody who has a living relationship with God had to initially respond out of faith to ask God to forgive us, to receive us, to restore us. And that, out of that choosing to follow God, we become a chosen generation instead of a wasted generation. And so like Joshua and Caleb, I wanna challenge you that we have to, without a doubt, learn to live a bigger story. God desires to shape your story. My favourite Psalm, Psalm 149 says, "'With the high praises of God in my mouth "'and a two-edged sword in my hand, "'I execute judgment on the enemies of God.'" That two-edged sword is the Word of God. And I'm reminded in this moment, the part of the story that Joshua cultivated and carried was a story that valued the Word of God, that he was challenged by God Himself to meditate on God's Word. And I wanna say to us as a people, if you wanna inherit the story that God has for us as Awakened City, but us individually, we have to live from a bigger story. And there's no bigger story than to approach the Word of God and to meditate on it. And I don't know what you think of when I say that word meditation. I don't mean how it's come to mean to empty yourself of all things. It actually means what it means scripturally to fill yourself of all things that God would have for you. I think what Joshua was challenged to do was you have to replace the false narratives with something and you have to replace it with something that is of God. 
I don't know how you engage the Scriptures, whether you read the Bible, whether you listen to the Bible. All I need to say in this moment is if you're not meditating on it in the sense of chewing it over, asking God, the most powerful times in reading the Word that I get is when I simply ask God, would you bring the words to life and change me? That we don't approach the Bible for entertainment. We don't approach the Bible to change its words. We approach the Bible and say, Lord God, would You change my story to be Your story? And from the lives of the people who lived up and down, I know I don't have to be perfect. All I have to do is be willing. And so Lord God, change my story to be like that of Joshua and Caleb. What, what else can we do? Live a bigger story. What about live a more compelling story? Live a more compelling story. It's so easy to descend to our environment. We have to cultivate a story that's bigger. You know, this morning as I was driving in, I was thinking about some of the men in my connect group and we caught up at Dome Waikiki a couple of Wednesdays ago and we hijacked the front section there. And for an hour, we just had God discussions. I didn't bring a teaching. I didn't bring a lesson. Just ask the question, what is God saying to you? You know, one of the ways that we live out a more compelling story is that we take hold of the fact that we need to do it together. That we do it in the midst of a faith community like our connect groups, people that we can reach out to. And I wanna say to you now that to practically live out a more compelling story, you have to put yourself in an environment that shapes you for it instead of shapes you against it. Pursue the things that would compel you. And finally, I'd say practically, we have to live out of our convictions. Caleb said, my mountain, my mountain, my mountain. It's okay to hold on to the promises of God and to see them personally fulfilled. You're not being selfish. In fact, you're being a service to the story that God has for His people at Awakened City. Live a bigger story. Live a more compelling story. Live out of your convictions. In Jesus' Name. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it has blessed you. If you would like to find out more about Awakened City Church, visit awakencity.com.au.